glad you're here. If you're a first-time visitor, again, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, hopefully, everyone should have received a visitor's, uh, not a visitor's packet, but a, a weekly bulletin when you came in. And in that bulletin, there's a connection card uh, you can fill out. We would love to know more about your family. We would love to be able to contact you. And uh, we promise we won't hassle you, but we would love to learn more about your family. And also in there, there are sermon notes so you can follow along with the message. And of course, if you have the YouVersion app uh, on your tablet or phone, you can get all the sermon notes there as well. One more announcement is that on April 14th, so in about four weeks, we're going to have a water baptism right here in service. And uh, so I know many people have been asking and several people have asked me, hey, when's the next baptism? And it's going to be in about four weeks. And so if you would like to be water baptized, this would be a chance uh, for you uh, to publicly de de declare your faith uh, through, through water baptism. Well, listen, I hope you had a, had a good week. And uh, man, the weather's beautiful out there, isn't it? It's beautiful, man. It's just beautiful out there. I feel like we're in Oregon or something, you know? All this uh, wet stuff and cold, windy, rainy stuff. So anyway, I got good news for you this morning. I was talking to one of, uh, actually Justin right here on the second row. And he asked me, um, is the sermon going to be good today? And I said, well, I hope so. And he said, well, I hope so too. So, so we agreed in faith that God would help us. So hopefully that will help you out. So uh, if you ever go to church and you ask the pastor, is the sermon good? And they say, they say no. It really is. He's not lying. I promise you, okay? So we're in a series called The Will of Life. And uh, in this series, we're, we're trying to figure out, we're trying to learn from God's word how to balance our lives. And, you know, uh, Social scientists, and, and they, have, they have found that there's basically seven, we all have seven major categories in our life. And all of us have these seven major categories. There's our, our spiritual life, our family life, our financial life, our intellectual life, our mental life, our work life, our physical bodies, and our social life. And what happens so many times is human nature says this, that whatever we're good at doing, we try to put more work into that, and we try to ignore the areas that aren't doing bad. How many of you have done that before? You know, I mean, if your finances aren't good, you like you don't want to do a budget, you don't want to look at them, you just pray that everything goes through, right? How many know that there is a better way to live, okay? That's a special way, and so what we're, the goal of the series is this, is that uh, if, if you only focus on the areas that you're good at, and you let several of these areas in your life just collapse, it'll bring your whole life down. And God wants us to be successful in every area of our lives, and I'm very confident that the Bible tells us really clearly how to do that. How can we be uh, successful in, in every area of our lives? And so this morning, uh, I'm gonna, I, I saved as long as I could, but this morning we're going to talk about how to keep our physical bodies healthy. Okay, I, I mean, I waited as long as I could. You know, I waited till my diet started working, all that kind of stuff. I waited until I ate five salads this week, you know. But, uh, but think about this. And when I talk about this, we're just going to talk about some common sense stuff. And remember that all of us struggle in some of these areas. And so the point is never to make anyone feel bad, okay? It, we're never, family life, we're never about beating somebody up in condemnation. But also, uh, God doesn't want us to be beaten down in any area of our life. He wants us to bring it up. So just trying to give some common sense things that we can do. 
but let's look at this for a minute. We're talking, we're talking about balancing our physical lives. And would you agree that our culture thrives on busyness, stress, and jam-packed schedules? It does. And, you know, technology, which can be a great asset in our lives, it also opens the door to unrelenting pressure in our lives. And it seems like today we're just never able to get away from phone calls, texts, emails, you know, whatever it is, we're just we're just never able to get away. Even when we're supposed to be off, when we're supposed to be off the clock, we still get calls, we still get emails, we still get texts. People are able uh, to track us down. Now, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but I assure you that I'm not that old. But the young people here are going to think that I'm like Moses or something, okay? But do you ever remember the days before the Internet? Hey, some of you that are laughing at me, you're as old as I am, so I know, you know. But I remember when I was in college, you know, starting college, and they're talking about this World Wide Web, you know. You know, I, I, re- I just remember this in college that Al Gore said that he invented the Internet, you know, which I don't know if he did or not. I don't know who did, but I'm thinking, when I'm a college student, I'm thinking, again, there's cell phones aren't out yet, all these things. And I'm thinking, who in the world needs a World Wide Web? And now we can't seem to get off it. Now we can't seem to have a, a day or a time without it. Um, but think about this. There was a day when you could actually relax when you, were at, when you were off or on vacation. But the problem is that, you know, con- constant stress of always being available, of life never stopping, it really has an impact on our physical bodies. I was, I've been doing some re- research, you know, on all the different generations, but Generation Z, the youngest generation, uh, they're from age 3 through 22. And this is the first generation uh, that has been solely raised on technology. And so, I mean, you know, these were the babies that were born swiping iPads and iPhones. And it's so funny to watch little kids go up to TVs and they're trying to get it. Oh, you need to obey, you know. What's wrong with this thing? They don't know. They're not used to something not being able to be touched and and, and manipulated that way. But anyway, this, this younger generation, which the oldest ones now are, are, are going are in college, about 22. And you know at Generation Z, one of the stats that, I mean, there's some really good things about them too. But one of the stats that, that shocked me was that 91% of Generation Zs, those who have reached high school and college age, said that they have felt physical or emotional symptoms such as depression and anxiety associated with stress. It's like the, these kids have been just been wired all the time, and, and they've never learned how to get away. Now, listen, that, that's sad if our high school and college kids are, are stressed out, right? Because we know what's coming. Okay, that hit some of you on the way home. But you know what's coming. Marriage is coming. Real jobs are coming. Uh, research CEOs of uh, company executives who report being less effective on their job than they were 10 years ago because of constant interruptions due to technology. Uh, they have become so available due to, with technolo- technology, uh, they said that problems that used to be handled three tiers down now come directly to them. And they're, they, you know, they're supposed to be running the company and they have all these little things bombarding them that they, that they used to not. I was having lunch and a conversation with a, with a friend of mine who, who's a high-level executive, and it, it, it was interesting. He told me 
She said, you know, used to when I got on the company's jet and was flying from place to place, I used to have some downtime. But now the internet and phone reception on the jet is better than at my house. Just not able to check out. People always able uh, to, to get, get a hold of me. The bombardment just never slows down. So here's the question. The question we ask with Bev is how do we balance our lives? How are, how are we to manage our personal lives, our physical bodies in a way that honors God and brings us back into balance? And so the question is, I was talking about stress a little bit, but the reason is is because to take care of these bodies, they have to be able to shut down sometimes. They, they, they were made to handle stress, but not 24 hours a day. They were made, uh, you know, to run efficiently, but not 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I believe the Bible addresses this question and really offers some practical advice that we can follow and incorporate into our lives. So the text this morning, it comes from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 through 20. And it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, if you're familiar with this passage, and actually if you go and read the whole thing, what you realize is that what the Apostle Paul is talking about, when he's talking about, uh, you know, your body and taking care of your body, this passage in its entirety is talking about avoiding sexual immorality. It says that your bodies are not your own, that you, you, you should not be having sexual immoral relations and things like that. But I think, you know, whenever you read a passage and it talks about something, many times there's a bigger picture that you can look at. And I think there's a bigger picture uh, principle here uh, that, that God is talking about. And, and, and the bottom line is this, is that God has given us our bodies, and we're supposed to manage them, we're supposed to take care of them the very best the very best that we can. And I believe the Bible gives us, you know, four principles. I'm going to talk about four today. There's, there's more, but I know that you're going to be looking at your watch in a little bit, so I didn't want to have seven principles. You know, people like four, four is better than seven, it's shorter. But there's at least four principles that we can implement in our lives to bring balance to our physical bodies, to take care of our physical bodies. And so I, I want you to think about this. It doesn't matter really where you're at right now. The, the question is, am, am I managing my physical body? Am I taking care of my physical body? I, I mean, we only have one body, and, and the better we take care of it, I think the better use we get out of it, the longer that it lasts. And so anyway, here we go, four things. The first thing is this, is that it really helps to eat a balanced diet. I knew that would go over so well this morning. Thank you so much. But one of the most important things we can do for our bodies is to eat a, eat a healthy diet, but the problem is, this is very hard to do because, as I mentioned, we're running so fast, so hard, that we don't fuel our bodies like they were made to be fueled. Uh, we don't think about and plan our diet many times. Many times we eat out of convenience. Do you know that some of the biggest companies, if you'd invest in these companies a, a, a year or two ago, you'd be very rich, but... There's things like DoorDash. You, you see commercials where they, they deliver Taco Bell to your home, right? I mean, push it, get it, man. Now you go to the grocery store, and they meet you out there in the parking lot. But, there, you know, we basically, 
the business community has found that, man, we're, we're running so hard, so fast, so they've, they've adapted culture even to meet us on a whole different level. And uh, so, so ba- basically, many times we, our bodies are suffering because of what we're putting in there and because we're eating out of convenience and we're not laying things out. And one, one nutritionist, he labeled our generation the fast food generation. Fast food companies are thriving. So here's the key. What can we do? I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but what can we do to, to, to bring our body back into balance? The first thing I think is moderation. Moderation is very, very important. So here's the deal. Eat good news. If you want good news, this is good news. You can still eat blue bells. You just probably shouldn't eat it four times a week, okay, unless you want to go see Jesus quickly, okay? I mean, you can have fast food. You know, occasional fast food meal. But how many know that if it's every day at lunch, that's that's probably not going to help you out uh, too much. So, how we fuel our bodies, our diet, what we what we intake, it really it determines how efficiently our physical bodies work. And I'll give you an illustration. Whenever we do fasting in January, many people do the Daniel fast. You know, fruits, vegetables, and uh, water, things like that, and. Many times they do it for the whole month, and people always tell me, man, I feel so good. I feel so good. Yeah, because you're eating, you know, more along the lines of how God created you to eat. But what we do many times is after the Daniel fast, and our, this is our, about the time our bodies are getting purified, we detox, we pollute them again, right? Okay, so I've been thinking about this, and I think that we should have this fast year-round to help the congregation, right? This the Daniel fast year-round. So, you know, actually the Bible gives us some nutritional guidelines. Okay, if you don't like this part, I'm going to give you some other things to think about. So just work, just roll with me, okay? Just work with me today. But uh, some, the Bible gives us some nutritional guidelines. And actually when you read the Bible, it gives us several different dietary uh, suggestions. And way back in the Garden of Eden, before, before sin, when, you know, the Adam and Eve and the animals in the Garden of Eden, it says this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 29 through 30, it says, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. So we learned something here in the Garden of Eden that that everything was a a plant-based diet and that actually, you know, Adam and Eve weren't running from the animals because carnivores were not carnivores. They were eating plants, okay? Everything was eating green food. And then the second dietary guideline we see comes from Genesis 9-3 after Noah came off the ark and God God made a covenant with him and this is what God told Noah everything that lives and moves about will be food for you just as I gave you the green plants I now give you everything so all the men in here can say an amen meat is on the menu and right there pastor read it that's okay for me to grill, okay? It's okay. This is a good thing. And furthermore, uh, in Leviticus chapter 11, and there's more places, 
when the children of Israel, when God was taking them to the promised land and they were on their way, Leviticus 11 has a whole chapter that's very, very detailed on clean and unclean food. And it lists animals that are clean to eat and animals that are unclean to eat. And, and the reason I tell you this is if you go through that, and if, if you have a nutritionist look at that, all the animals that they said not to eat of were considered unclean. They're higher in cholesterol, things like that. And, and the animals they said were okay to eat, were good to eat, uh, are much better for your body. So now let's take it a step farther. Uh, the Israelites, in, you know, in the first century, they, they ate the whole Mediterranean area, they ate what is known as the Mediterranean diet, which if even nutritionists today, a lot of people today still eat the Mediterranean diet. It's one of the most healthy ways to eat. It, it, it truly is. And, you know, they um, they didn't eat processed food because they didn't have it. They didn't eat refine, refined sugars and, you know, high fat intake. And so, my, my again, my takeaway from that, now let me say this for all, if you're a health enthusiast, the people in Israel, even though they ate the best diet when Jesus came, there were a lot of sick people, weren't there? There, there were. So eating isn't everything, but it, cert, it certainly, it certainly helps. And I heard a heard a story this week that there, a man and his wife, they, uh, you know, they were turning sixty years old, and they realized, man, we need to, you know, start going to the doctor regularly. So they both made an appointment to go to the doctor, and they went to the doctor, and the doctor checked them out and ran all kind of tests and. The doctor said, well, I have good news and I have bad news. And they said, what is it? He said, so he looked at the wife and he said, you are incredibly healthy. All your numbers are good. Everything's good. You're probably going to live to be 90 years old. And they said, well, what's the bad news? And he said, well, I need to talk to the husband. He said, sir, you're way overweight. You have high blood pressure. You have high cholesterol. You have a stressful job. He's like, look, you're not going to make you're not going to make it very many more years living like this, but you have time to change. If you change and start taking care of your body, you know, you can you can live a long, happy life. And and so they went home, and the, the wife, boy, the wife was put pressure on her husband, you know. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to live without a husband for many years. We have kids. We have grandkids that are young. And, boy, really turned the heat up on him. And so the man did the honorable thing. He changed his diet. He he quit his job and got a lower stress job. I mean, he you know, he changed his whole diet and you know, he, he said he never enjoyed another meal as long as he lived, but he was healthy. And uh, you know, his blood pressure came down, his cholesterol came down, and he lived to be eighty five. And so he died and he went to heaven. And Gabriel was showing him around heaven. And and they, they went and they showed him where his house was and his big, beautiful, beautiful house, mansion. And, and this guy, each guy kind of started mumbling under his breath a little bit. And so Gabriel, you know, said, now let's go to, um, he said, oh, this is just the start. It gets better than this. And so he said, they, you know, they're, they're walking across and he, he's on the way to where they were going. They see this golf course. That's the most beautiful golf course he'd ever seen he asked Gabriel what are the green fees he said it's free this is heaven everything is yours and he started mumbling a little bit under his breath and then they get over there and you know they they have a worship service and they're in the presence of God and you know 
although he super enjoys that. He's, you know, he's, he's having some internal problems. And, and then the last thing they go to the, play, the, the, the food hall, and, man, the food hall, they had just rows and rows of bluebell ice cream. They had cherry cobbler, peach cobbler. I like bluebell, if you don't know. I like bluebell. I believe bluebell's from God, okay? And so you got to find a way to fit that in. And uh, just rows of food, everything he hadn't been eating for all these years. And the guy just flipped out and started flipping tables over and throwing stuff. And Gabriel says, hey, you can't act like that in heaven. And by the way, what's wrong with your, why is your attitude so bad? He said, if I would not have listened to the doctor and my wife, I could have been here 15 years ago. And so, again, I'm not saying you have to live at whole food. I'm not saying you have to eat all organic food, uh, but it's probably good for you. So one day, are you, are you a nosy neighbor? Are any of you nosy neighbors? You don't want to admit it. You don't want to admit it. You're nosy neighbors. So anyway, one time my neighbors, I looked outside, and my neighbors had dirt delivered. They dumped all this dirt in my neighbor's driveway. And so I go over there and ask him, hey, man, what are you doing? He said, I am making for my wife an organic garden. I said, really? I said, where's that dirt from, North Dakota? He said, no, it's right down the road. And so I told him, this is one of the smartest guys I've ever met. And I'm trying real hard not to say his name. But I said, sir, I said, if that dirt is from the south, you know everything. Have you ever seen these planes? flying over for years and years, they're called crop dusters. So everything in the south, every all dirt in the south has pesticides somewhere in it. So I, I was deteriorating his plans of building an organic garden. And finally he said, Terry, can you just keep quiet? My wife's happy. Can we just keep her happy? So, okay, you happy. Be happy with your organic garden with pesticides. So the first step, it's not the only step, but the first step is that we need to begin to take better care of our bodies and to get a handle on our diets and the food that we consume. And the better we fuel our bodies, the more efficiently they work. And I believe sometimes we feel bad just because we're not taking care of them the way that God wanted, uh, wanted us to. The second principle is this, is that we're supposed to stay active. God created our bodies to move. You know, our bodies were made to be active and have daily exercise. And again, if you, if you do just a general study of history, you realize that past generations were constantly moving. Um, all the way back to the hunters, hunter-gatherers, and, and certainly the people of the Bible, they had jobs that were built around exercise. They were lifting things. They were walking. They were using their bodies, keeping their bodies active. But today, today probably most of you, your job consists of sitting in front of a computer, being on the phone, or texting. And so just the societal change, the, the way that our jobs have moved today, uh, many times that life and our jobs aren't conducive to keep our bodies moving the way that they were supposed to. So here's the thing. Research, if you look up any general research, research tells us this that 20 minutes of moderate exercise three to four days a week is all that's required to keep our bodies healthy and active. So you know what that means? That means 
You can walk around the neighborhood for 20 or 30 minutes a couple of days a week. It means that you can take a bike ride around the neighborhood. You know, it, 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 it means that you can go for a walk in the park or you can, heaven forbid, mow your own grass. If you play golf, walk instead of ride around in the cart, you know. And uh, the point is, if we keep our bodies physically moving, uh, you know, the more, it, it's like this. If we don't use our bodies, we lose stamina. And if we regularly use our bodies, and it, again, it doesn't have to be doing a marathon. It doesn't have to be something strenuous, but just something to keep us moving and keep us active. I was thinking about my dad this week. My dad is 78 years old. And if you know my dad, he does not look 78. He's just very, very, he's, he's very healthy. And um, what, he's, what he's done is he's found things that he enjoys to do that makes him get exercise, and that, that's, that's what he does. And, and so that's how he's achieved this. That's how he maintains his health. And so, for example, he, he loves to fish. Well, a lot of times you see people fishing, they go and they just sit down. But my dad walks, he wade fishes, he, he fishes in kayaks. I tell you, I hate kayaking with my dad. You know, I'm sitting here, he's, my arms are burning, he's just, he's just paddling for miles and miles around there. And I'm like, man, why don't we just fish? He's like, well, the fish aren't here. I was like, I don't care. I don't want to paddle anymore. You know, I told, I told my wife, I'm like, I don't know how he does it at his age. But, you know, he'll go park his boat and he'll wade, wade and walk and fish. And I'll tell you a story. So we, uh, we went fishing last year and and we were we were wade fishing at this place we always do but you know the hurricane harvey when it hit down there on the coast it changed the way things are and i don't know if you've ever been like around a bay or a coast or salt water where they have that sand that dirt that's kind of like you sink when you step in i don't know if you've, you've known that so anyway we're fishing we're fishing and dad tells me hey i caught some nice fish over there why don't you walk around there and go fish over there I hate it when he tells me that because as soon as I get way over there, he starts catching fish right where he is. I, I, I think it's a ploy to get me away. So I did that. Look at that. I'm walking around, and, and I'm walking around, and I don't know. I'm, I'm walking. It's about knee deep. And then all of a sudden, like, I just submerged underwater. And I'm trying to hold my reel out of the, out of the salt water, and I get up, and I'm, you know, my net's floating, my hat's floating, and and Dad said, hey, you need to be careful over there. There's a big sinkhole over there. Pops, could you not have told me that, like, before I went over there? But you and I both know he wanted me to hit that, right? He wanted to see that. He wanted to see that. And uh, But anyway, it, it just, it's just something. I, and my dad lives on several acres of land, and he, he mows his yard. I'm like, Dad, why don't you pay for him to mow your yard? He's like, people pay to go to gyms. I save money and I'm healthy. Okay. I went to his house one day. He's mowing his neighbor's yard for 20 bucks. Seriously, Dad, come, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so we have to, uh, my, my point is this way, is I think, I think if we make it intentional, we can find ways to keep our bodies moving without driving all the way to a gym and doing all that. Although if you like a gym, that's fine. I'm just saying there's simple things that we can do to keep our bodies active. But many of us, our jobs do not, do not initiate exercise. But many of our jobs, it's sitting and looking. And we get mentally tired, but we don't, we don't keep physically active. Number three, so we have, to, we have to get a handle on our diets and we have
have to watch what we're intaking. We have to keep active. And the third thing which may surprise you is, is that we have to take time to relax. Our bodies were made to have some downtime. Our bodies were made to have times when we relax. And the Bible clearly tells us, in fact, it commands us to take time one day a week for relaxation. We are commanded to work hard for six days and then to relax on the seventh. Exodus 20, verse 8, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or nor daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And it's really interesting, and I've been to Israel several times, and what's really interesting is that even in Israel today, even though many of them, many of them are not, don't, don't believe in Jesus, still their towns shut down at sunset on Friday till sunset on Saturday evening. And like everything just shuts down. There's no stores open, you know, and, and, and so what, what, what happens there is, is that you, um, you know, if you can't do anything, you're forced to relax a little bit. We don't, we don't have that today. Today, everything's open all the time. You can always do that. But I have a question. How do you think our bodies would respond if one day a week we actually took a Sabbath? I don't know, Jerry. I can't even imagine. <laughs> but it, think, think about it. Think about it. It's hard, it's hard to do, but would it make a difference? So the Sabbath was made for two specific reasons. It was physical rest and spiritual renewal. So what, what they, what the, the, how the Sabbath worked is they, they had a time of worship, then they went home and rested and relaxed. And that means seriously, they didn't cook. Every, all that was pre, pre-made. They didn't cook. They didn't, they didn't do anything. So think, what would happen if every Sunday you came to church and then you went home and there were no, you know, there's, there's no work emails, there's no, no home projects. Come on, husbands, just be happy about that. No home projects. I, you know what, I'd love to fix that door, honey, but, you know, pa- you know, you know, you know what Pastor Terry said, and he quoted directly from God, uh, that, you know, that you shouldn't do that. But, but, I mean, think about it. Today, worship is one of the aspects in our busy life because we have to go do something else. But it, it really doesn't matter what day it is. Obviously, I, I work on Sunday, so I, I, I have to do a different, different thing. But I was thinking that perhaps no biblical command has been violated by the church more than this, especially in our society because society doesn't doesn't stop. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Some people have to work on Sunday. I mean, if you have to work on Sunday, that's just the way it is. But my point is, we have to we have to carve out a Sabbath. So at some point during the week, we have uh, some downtime. And honestly, I'm, I'm being honest with you. This is one thing that I've really struggled with. You know, we, we, when, when we started this church, uh, you know, I was the only one, you know, I worked two jobs and I worked another job for, for a bunch of years. And so there was always something to do. And I, w- I would think about this. There was, there was always someone to visit. There was always someone 
who needed help. There was there was always someone who who needed attention, and uh, and so I started looking at the at the scriptures, and I noticed that you know of course for the temple worship they had all thousands of Levites and they rotated. They would come work their time, and then the ones that were working were off so they could have a Sabbath rest. But here, here's what here's what I found. And again, if it, if it's Monday or Tuesday. Here's what I end up finding. I end up finding that if I could actually detach myself and take a Sabbath, I was actually a better person. I was actually of more use to the congregation. I was actually more of use to my family. I was, I was just, it, there's something about taking time that rejuvenates your mind, spirit, and body. And so I, I just want you to think about this. Sometimes the best thing we can do for ourselves is nothing. And, uh, you know, and, and I talk to some people, and their Sabbath doesn't include God, okay? Like, they, they take time off, and they're not, you know, they don't believe in God or whatever. But I, I think there's a combination of spiritual renewal and physical rest that complements our body and really, really is helpful. Okay, the last thing, the last thing this morning is I, I believe our physical bodies do well when we live by purpose. When we live, or you could say to live on purpose. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so the thing is, is, is all of us in here, God created us with a purpose. And when I, I believe when we're living our purpose, when we find what he created us to do, and we're living in that purpose, I believe it, it, it does something to our emotions, it does something to our in the spiritual realm, but I also believe it inspires, it inspires us, our, our, our physical bodies. You know, we wake up with a sense of purpose, we wake up inspired, we wake up excited about the day. But you know, there's millions of people who wake up every day and they dread what they're going to do every day. And I, I just believe that God has a purpose. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you won't one day have a job that you don't care for, but I believe there's a bigger sense, a bigger purpose that God has, has for us. Now, to prove this, let me, ask you, let me ask you a question. How many of you, how many of you have per- personally witnessed this, that you knew somebody who was just full of life, full of energy, full of passion, and as they got up in age, they retired because that's what they were supposed to do. That's what people do. They retired. And then after they retired, you know, they went, they really went from being full of life, full of energy, full of purpose, to really being bored, having no sense of purpose, no direction. And and day by day, you could literally just see the life begin to drain out of them, and they end up dying a premature death. And I just, I just believe this. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really believe in, uh, in, in a sense of that we retire and we do nothing. I believe if you retire, you may, uh, you know, reboot and do something else. But I, we, we're supposed to live with purpose. We're, we're not supposed to have purpose till we're 60 or 65, then live the next 20 years without purpose. We're supposed to be driven by purpose. We're supposed to live with purpose. God, God has given us things to do. And I just don't think that God created us to retire and do nothing. I believe he has filled us with purpose, and his purpose gives us life 
and energy. And if we lose our purpose, it will negatively affect our physical bodies. One of our missionaries who uh, many of you may not have met him, but his name is uh, Brother Adon Villanueva, and he's in Honduras. And uh, Brother Adon gave his life to the Lord when he was, I believe it was 20 years old. Maybe it's 25. And uh, God called him to reach the poor people of Honduras. And, of course, I don't know. He, he started over 100 churches. And every week he has a church in, in the capital of Honduras that he leads. And every Monday he gets a backpack and a hammock and some clothes. And he goes up in the mountains to win people to, to Jesus. And he started more than 100 churches doing that. And uh, I was thinking about this because... Brother Adon, you know, when I met him, he was he was probably 60, 60 years old, 65, and, and he was still playing soccer two hours once a week and just doing all this stuff. And I, I kept waiting for him to slow down, and I went over there and did conferences with him and, and talked with him a couple, a couple years ago, and I was like, man, he's full of energy. He just turned 85, and tomorrow he will put a hammock and a backpack. And he will go out to the poor people who don't have, again, who don't have radio, who don't have TVs, who don't know Jesus. And what I'm saying is, I'm, I'm, you know, if he ever stops doing that, he's going to die a quick death. You've got to do what God has put in your heart to do. It's what keeps us young. And as a matter of fact, about a year and a half ago or two years ago when I was over there, he told me, he's like, Pastor, uh, God has told me to reach Costa Rica. I said, really? Honduras is not enough? You know? I mean, you know. And he, he said, oh, I'm, we're, still, we're still winning Honduras, but I've always had a vision in my heart to go reach Costa Rica. And I found somebody there. Anyway, he bought some land there, and he started a church there, and I think now he has three or four churches in Costa Rica. And I, I was sitting there, I was talking to him, I was like, God, I hope when I'm 82, I still have a passion to do what you've called me to do. And here's the thing, God has put all of, all, in all of us a passion and a purpose to do certain things. And I think so many times we get so caught off guard. We get so caught off by what the world says we should do. And when the world says we should slow down, instead of just focusing, you know, if God gives you something to do, you do it so you go home to see him, right? You just keep doing it and doing it, and it, and it fuels you. But we can easily get caught up in the mundane, mundane things of life and end up never serving God's purpose for our life. And I tell people, sometimes they come to me and say, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm like, well, you just got to start doing something. I said, what are you doing right now? I said, well, I come to church a couple times a month. Do you serve anywhere? No. All right, start coming to church every week and find a place to serve. Find a place to serve and start doing that. Once you start doing something, You'll find out more what you like to do and what you don't like to do. But if you never do anything, you're not going to discover what, what God wants you to do. I mean, go, start a small group. Go on a medical mission trip. Go on a mission trip to, to, uh, to, to build a building. But the key start, the key thing is to start doing something. I'm going to tell you a little quick story here before I finish up and, and hope I don't embarrass anyone. But um, we, we have some new members that started coming to our church about about four or five months ago. And and uh, one of the first things when he came to met with, meet with me, one of the first things he told me about is, he's like, you know, um, 
I, you know, a few years ago, I moved, I moved from Vietnam, and I ended up finding a wife in Vietnam, and we moved back here. And when we moved back, I had a burden for the people of Vietnam because there's so many poor people, so many hurting people. So I just had this idea that, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to do a mission trip to Vietnam, and we're going to buy a bunch of food and, and give these poor families enough food for a certain amount of time, and we're going to put a Bible in there. And we're going to have it delivered at churches, and, and we're going to, uh, we're just going to show people the love of God and give them the gospel. Life-sustaining food and life-sustaining the word of God. And so he said, we did our first one last year, and he said, it went better than we, than we ever thought. And they have a name, it's, it's called Rice for Christ. Terry, wave your hand back there. That's Terry and, and Ty Hensley right there. And so, yeah, so, so, but the, but the bottom line is, the bottom line is, uh, Terry is retired. He retired from work, but how do you know he's not retired from living out purpose in his life, and he found something to do in retirement that's fueling his passion. And, and, and so I, I believe in January, we're going to do a trip to Vietnam, and some of you may want to go. You may want to go over there and love on the people of Vietnam, and we'll talk. We'll talk more about that. So anyway, this morning I just re- I really tried to just uh, just give you some common sense things. If we want to bring our bodies into balance, then there are certain things we have to do, and I think they all work together. We have to watch what we put into our bodies. We have to keep our bodies active. You know, we we have to. Um, we have to continue uh, to take time for spiritual and physical rest. And, but even if you do all that without a purpose, I think that our bodies waste away. Purpose is the catalyst. It's the passion that really, that really drives us over the top. Would you stand with me this morning, church? message off, Lord, just, just reading your word, how our, our, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and that we're supposed to honor you with our bodies. Lord, we're supposed to treat our bodies the way that, that, that you want us to. And Lord, we know these bodies are mortal, and we know they're not going to live forever, but Lord, how we take care of them many times determines how well we do in life. And so, God, I just pray right now, not as condemnation, Lord, because condemnation is not from God, but, Lord, I just pray that you would just begin to to inspire us. God, help us. Lord, give us the discipline to take care of these physical bodies. Lord, I pray that that as we take care of these bodies, Lord, it, it helps us feel better. Lord, it helps us to be able to accomplish things. Uh, just a reminder, there's there's uh, notes out here to sign up for the water baptism if you'd want. And if all the guys in here could help us stack these chairs for, for the gym this week, that would be awesome. Bow your head. Would you just raise your hands with me?